This is the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And now, your host, Matty Ice. What's up, everyone? Happy Thursday. Welcome back to the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And this is a Matty Ice Media Network production as always. It's been a great week here in the DMV. Nice fall weather. Recording in the morning. Uh, it's like 49 degrees, and I have to say that there's something cool about that, and I don't mean that as a pun. That is absolutely no pun intended, but it's just nice to wake up, and it's not blistering hot. The humidity is not killing you. I have kind of like a light hoodie on. It's just wonderful, and that means that fall is here, and fall is not just here in the calendar. Fall is here in the weather, and that's the part that's so exciting when the fall actually gets here, when that time of, I don't want to say hibernation, but there's a coziness to the fall for some reason. Before we get to the dead of winter, before we get to those icy, chill winds, the snow, depending on where you live, of course. Obviously, if you're listening to this and you live in Miami, you're like, well, I don't, I don't, I don't experience that at all. But here, you know, up in the north, uh, in the northeast, we definitely experience that cold. And while there is something to be said about being indoors, there is also something to be said about the, the happy medium between that winter and the, the being able to go outside. So right now... You know, we're preparing our deck for being able to use it for the next couple months, a nice fire pit, some lights. It's just wonderful. And when I think of the fall, and I think I mentioned this last episode, I think of cozy, right? I think of comfort. There's something about the fall that gives you that sense of ease, that sense of comfort. When you look at the leaves, everything looks pretty, right? It's a little bit chilly. You don't really have to bundle up. You kind of can put some comfortable clothes on. I love wearing jeans and a hooded sweatshirt. That's really my season. And I know that you can wear that in the wintertime, but you also have to wear a bunch of other crap over it to feel good. In the, in the fall, you don't need that. But one of the things I think about in the fall is food. So many things are happening in the fall. In the sports world, and I've said this on Drippin' Sports before, in the sports world, it is a season of birth for so many of the professional sports in this country. But for, um, for, for real life, right, it's really the death of a lot of things. It's the turning over of that new leaf, so to speak. Because in the fall, all the trees lose all their leaves and they become barren. Everything looks dead in the wintertime until the springtime when hope springs eternal, as they would say, and life comes back. But in the in the fall, you know, we, we tend to stay indoors, but I think about food a lot of times because one of the things I think that brings human beings comfort in general, and I can say this from the perspective of having lost a lot of weight and knowing that there is an emotional attachment to food that I don't think we all recognize necessarily, but there's a category called comfort foods, and I think that those tend to make their appearance in colder weather as the fall emerges. And so I thought it would be fun to get back to something a little bit more entertaining and a little bit more personal than myself that maybe we'll start start some faux debate, so to speak. And I wanted to talk about some of the best fall foods that are out there because there's so many to pick from. And I, I took about a week to think about this because how do I how do I list off five foods that are my favorite? And there's a lot of things I think that are obvious, but they're obvious choices all throughout the year. Like they're not just a favorite in the fall, So like pizza, for instance, I could eat pizza seasonally. I do eat pizza seasonally and I love pizza. Like it's not something that I can generally say I only eat at a certain time, but there are definitely a category of foods that are considered seasonal. And some of them sort of, uh, you know, can stray into the holiday food category for me. I think some of that is familial. I think some of that is traditional. It depends on whatever it is that your traditions were during the holidays. But for this particular list, I'm sticking to foods that are specifically uh, associated with sort of that October, November, a little bit before Christmas time frame. Uh, and they can be, you know, consumed, I guess, 
all year round or all through the winter but i'm putting them in this category because this is when i start to actually consume them so i'm going to name off five they're not in actually any particular order i didn't want to do that just because i don't think that they necessarily need to be in an order i think that they can be interchangeable depending on how i'm feeling so let's start off first thing uh this is honey crisp apple time so that is number five uh, i absolutely love apples I don't necessarily go apple picking, that cliched thing that a lot of city people do, like myself. Um, you know, I mean, I say myself, I mean like, you know, where I live. Uh, we, we have gone in the past, of course, but really I just love good seasonal crisp apples and honey crisps are my favorite. There's a sweetness to them. There's a body to them. They don't have that mealy texture that like Red Delicious apples do, which by the way, Red Delicious apples are terrible. So honey crisp apples are up there, but I think the reason why I like them so much is because you can consume them in so many different ways. So as a fruit lover, I can consume a honey crisp apple by itself, no problem. Right off the core, eating it as you're walking around, it's actually a very intensive uh, eating experience for me. I have to eat apples away from other people because I can't eat them uh, softly. I don't know why, I've tried so hard. There's just something about the way that I eat apples that is loud, so I can't eat them around other people who don't like to hear somebody eating. But when you get them seasonally, when you get them when they're at their peak, they're nice and juicy, they have flavor, they're not too sweet, they have a sweetness, but they also have a bitterness too. Like Granny Smith apples are just so tart and they're great for making pies. Honeycrisp apples are kind of on the other side of that spectrum a little bit. They have that tartness a little bit, but they also have a sweetness. Uh, I can cut them up. I like to use them with peanut butter, some type of a nut butter perhaps. Uh, it's really nice to dip. It's a nice little snack if you're looking for something sort of off the grid as it relates to like dietary needs. Like right now, I'm trying to stick with in a certain calorie range and obviously eating a lot of nut butter doesn't really go with that, if you will. Uh, but I, it's something that I like to do. It's something that's very, very comfortable. And the other thing that's really cool is to have them with cheese. That might seem a little bit strange, but fruit and cheese generally tend to go together. And if you pair it with the right cheese, I like to pair it with like a sharp cheese, to be honest because that sweetness really helps uh, take down the, the sharpness of that cheese. So if you're talking like an Asiago, maybe even like a sharp provolone, it's just really versatile and it's my favorite apple. And it's definitely something that I generally tend to gravitate toward during the fall. Like just about every time we go to the grocery store, I'm buying Honeycrisp apples and they're a favorite here in the Matty Ice household. Um, but something that's a little bit more heavy, something that is a little bit uh, more, it's not nece even necessarily just fall, but it's not a food that I eat in the summertime and it's one of my favorite comfort foods and that's spaghetti and meatballs. So when I was growing up, my dad would always make his own sauce. He would always make a ton of it and freeze it and he had his own recipe and I actually have that somewhere here in the house. But I always loved just how great it felt to, you know, have a big plate of spaghetti with that nice red sauce and those big, big juicy meatballs. Now my dad made awesome meatballs. They're not, you know, necessarily uh, out of this world or complicated. They're not straying from some type of norm the way that you, these recipes do now. Like if you go online and you try to find recipes of, uh, of any type of di dish that is a traditional dish, you'll find all these variations where people take all these liberties. And while that is fine, I, I like just traditional spaghetti meatballs, a nice, cr you know, nice good red sauce with some flavor, a little bit of kick to it, a nice thick spaghetti. I'm not big into angel hair and a really nice juicy meatball that's got a little bit of crisp on the outside. He used to fry them, pan fry them and then bake them. It's just a really, really wonderful dish. And as a kid, I used to love it because that was when I get to twirl the fork. It was kind of almost like playing with your food a little bit. And I'm not really sure if anybody else can relate, but my parents obviously weren't into me playing with my food. You know, don't play with your food. Don't play with your food. It's kind of like jumping on the bed when you had the opportunity to do it. You kind of 
love taking advantage of it. So when it came to spaghetti, I always loved it because of the twirling action. The other reason that I loved it is because I could absolutely douse it with grated Parmesan cheese. And growing up, we didn't have all the different choices that we have today. We had, you know, Kraft, uh, you know, Parmesan cheese, and I used to put so much of it on. And I loved it because every bite would have some cheese, every bite would have, you know, some sauce. And obviously as a meatball guy, uh, you know, I just loved the taste of it. There was a flavor to it. Growing up, obviously that is a calorie bomb, but it's fun to do every now and again. And now as an adult, one of the great things about it is I can make it myself, right? I can either take my father's recipe and keep the tradition going, or we can just take some type of jarred sauce that is good. Like I've gone through so many jarred sauces to make sure that there are, you know, the ones that are good, the ones that are quality. Like you, I just don't necessarily like any red sauce. Like I need something behind it. Sometimes I like to change it up a little bit, get a vegetable sauce. Maybe I'll even get a meat sauce if I'm feeling real saucy. No pun intended. Actually, wait, yes, pun intended there. Uh, so I like to have something with a little bit of body, a little bit of robustness to it. And when I make meatballs nowadays, um, you know, if I make them, I'll use beef. But there are times now when I'll use turkey because I have learned some techniques over the course of my lifespan as a, as a cook that have allowed me to use different types of meats that don't dry out. So if I use turkey, they're not going to dry out because I know what to do. A lot of panko, bed, pan, panko breadcrumbs go in there, maybe even some type of a, you know sour cream or cream cheese or something like that. It keeps it. Uh, a lot more moist than you would like because I do like that moistness, that juice. That's where all the flavor comes from and that sometimes can get lost when you're making just traditional meatballs the traditional way. They can dry out and they lack that flavor. So that's definitely a dish that I gravitate toward. Haven't had it yet. We will. We will. Don't worry. And like I said, making that garlic bread is crucial when you have a nice, a nice baguette. Sometimes I like to use French bread because I like the little small pieces. Sometimes I use Italian bread but I love making that garlic butter with those herbs in there. It's just wonderful. I always use fresh garlic and man, it's just, it's so tasty and it just gives me the warm and fuzzies. But another dish that is very much on the heavy side um, that generally tends to come out sort of at family functions for us, or it did when I was a kid and that's homemade macaroni and cheese. So macaroni and cheese is an experience, especially if you're having it right. Uh, there are a lot of different ways to experience mac and cheese, obviously. Uh, you can get the boxed variety, which is huge with kids. And there is a time and place for that, in, in my opinion. Like if you're up late night, you're looking for some type of a snack, you've been drinking perhaps, uh, there are definitely times and places for that. But if you're gonna go all in and you're gonna have the true experience of uh, that casserole dish, macaroni and cheese is really the way to go. It's a pain in the butt to make because you have to sit there and stir, right? Obviously starting with that bechamel sauce and then turning it into that cheese sauce. And if you're gonna do it right, the way that you have to do it is cube by cube, individually, stirring in so that cheese can have time to melt properly doesn't stick to the pan and then it comes down to the type of cheeses that you want to use right the combination do you want to have just a very traditional right like mild cheddar do you want to combine cheeses i personally believe you might think this is crazy because we're adding something that is just basically all processed but Velveeta cheese in there in some form or fashion is a must because it gives it this creaminess that you can't really get from real cheese. And I know that that sounds crazy, but one of the comfort uh, aspects of, of macaroni and cheese is obviously the sauce and that sauce being able to coat every single layer of that dish, every single noodle. Especially if you use a macaroni, even if it's a bigger like elbow macaroni, it doesn't have ridges in it. And that those ridges on the pasta, one of the reasons why I like to use pasta with ridges is because it really holds that flavor better. And elbows don't really do that. Those smooth pastas don't do that. So in order to compensate, you need a thicker cheese, something that can allow for it to stick to the pasta. And then there's a debate. 
So you can debate on what kind of cheese to use. Now I like to use again, some processed, I like to use a nice sharp cheese in there and then a nice mild cheddar. It kind of gives it a nice blend. You like to be able to have a, a cheesy, but also flavorful sauce, you know, some salt and pepper in there. It doesn't really get that complicated, but I think where things get complicated is the topping. So some people, I think there's, there's two camps really. You have no topping and then you have topping. Now it's ironic because I can go either way. I don't really have a preference, but growing up, my mom would put breadcrumbs on it. And that wasn't necessarily something that my wife experienced. So she thinks that that is an absolute no-no. Whereas for me, that was something that added to it. I liked having that crispiness and that crust on there. But not a lot of people like that. A lot of people like it in a pan, uh, you know, just, just made in a pan, not necessarily cooked. You obviously cook the pasta ahead of time, but I love a good baked macaroni and cheese. Now, if you're not gonna do a topping on it, topping it with a layer of cheese that kind of went in there so you can have a little bit of a crust, like when you when you spoon into it, you get that you get that crunch of the of the cheese crust on top, and then when you scoop it out, you get that just saucy, cheesy, ooey goodness, and that's really what you're looking for when you eat it. It brings you back to childhood. It gives you the warm and fuzzies. You can imagine eating it on a cold winter day in front of a fire, and it goes with so many different things. You can have it with a big meal. You can have it with a roast, a ham, or you can just have it yourself, right? If you wanna have just a little bit of chicken with it. It really is versatile. And there's something about it that I think appeals to so many people if that's your thing. And I think that's why it's generally on a list of comfort foods, just because it is so comforting. It gives you a nice warm feeling in your body when you eat it. And I don't know, I think it elicits so many, so many memories for a lot of people, at least it does for me. But sticking with the food realm. Now, when I think of top five fall foods, I don't necessarily stick to just carnal foods. I think of beverages in there as well. And that's gonna be the last one. But for this one, I'm talking about roasted vegetables. Now, yes, this is something that you can do in the summertime, no doubt. There's a lot of vegetables that can be used for the summer. I think of yellow squash, some zucchini, right? But when you get to the fall, when you get to the winter time, you're really talking about a lot of root vegetables. And that's really where I generally tend to do most of my roasting because it allows you to have something with a little bit more of a body to it, but you can expand your horizons a lot because all those root vegetables are now in play where they might be just a little bit too heavy for the summertime. A vegetable that I absolutely love now that I hated as a kid, was Brussels sprouts. And the reason being is because I have figured out that roasting them is really the way to go. Uh, you can pan fry them for sure. And if you pan fry them with bacon, more power to you. But in the oven is really where it's at. So this is generally a go-to for us here in the Matty Ice household in the wintertime, especially if we are doing excuse me, the fall, especially if we're doing meal prep, because you can make a ton of it at the same time. Very low in calories. It's really also very low tech. A little bit of olive oil, some good seasoning on it, especially if you get the right combination. Obviously, if you wanna do things like carrots, you're more than welcome. Obviously, potatoes, uh, switching it up to like sweet potatoes. You can throw some rutabaga in there. Obviously, you can put like green peppers, onions, and so forth. There's so many different combinations that you can make. And then it pairs with everything. So even if you make a mac and cheese, you can now have this awesome roasted vegetables to kind of accompany it. And to me, that counterbalances the caloric intake that you have in the macaroni and cheese. And that's where I think that there is something to be said about comfort food that also comforts your mind in a different way. One of the reasons we gravitate toward foods like macaroni and cheese is because they give us comfort mentally because we're eating something that we don't necessarily uh, know, we, like we know is not very good for us, let's say. And that's subjective, of course, because something that's quote unquote not good for you is all subjective. Everything is fine for you as long as it's in moderation. Like you can't eat homemade mac and cheese with breadcrumbs or a cheese topping every single day. But if you have a meal in the fall, let's say you have a nice little chicken, maybe, maybe some ham, perhaps some type of a uh, 
you know, like pork tenderloin or something like that. And you want to have that mac and cheese. You want to have that comfort food. But you got the vegetables to go along with it. So now you have flavor all over that plate and not all of the flavor is killing you mentally or calorically. And that's one of the reasons why we love roasted vegetables around here because it's easy to do. You can either go out and buy them pre-chopped and pay a little bit extra or you can go out and buy a whole bunch of veggies, have them on hand, take them out, cut them up, roast them and you're good to go. You can do it on the same day. It's just a little bit of a patience factor there because you got to wait for them to roast and so forth. But honestly, it's one of the best things about the fall because you can just do it as often as possible and keep changing things up, changing things up, changing things up. And you really can't get tired of it. And honestly, you're doing yourself a benefit by having all of the different types of vegetables and all the different flavors out there. Plus, you can experiment with spices. Uh, you can make just about every single person happy. So that's number two. So the last one. Long, long time ago, I did an episode about my top five small things, favorite small things, because I do believe that the little things in life really make a difference. And I think the number one thing was a pot of coffee, a freshly brewed pot of coffee. There's something about enjoying a pot of coffee that goes back to my childhood, remembering my parents sitting at the table every morning, reading the paper, drinking their coffee before they went off to work. It was a different time. It was a different place. The world was not nearly as busy. It probably felt busy to them, but it just wasn't. I love this tradition. We make a pot of coffee every single day here in the in, in our household. And it's just something that gives me the most comfort of so many different things. And yes, there's a lot of hobbies that give me happiness, but there's something about sipping a cup of coffee from a fresh pot. And in the fall, we get this awesome thing called pumpkin coffee. Now there's a lot of different fall varietals and that's kind of where we are now in coffee. This is a good thing about our, our level of choices today. While I feel like we have so many choices or too many choices in other realms, it's awesome to have so many different types of coffee that we can choose from. That coffee has become something that like hipsters, or if you will, uh, took up. And now there's coffee roasters all over the place and you can get so much good coffee. But I love pumpkin coffee. And it's really one of the only flavored coffees that I like. It's one of two. And it's just a, a guilty pleasure, so to speak. And the funny part is we don't get it from some fancy roaster, some fancy coffee shop. We get it from Dunkin' Donuts, Dunkin' Donuts pumpkin coffee. There's something about it for me that brings me back to my childhood. Dunkin' coffee, I'm not going to sit here and tell you it's the best coffee in the world. It is one of the better options of the sort of fast food options. But for me, I think because I grew up with it, it gives me this uh, emotional feeling, right? I can I can go back to my hometown. There's so many things that I, I associate with it. It's got this chemically flavor. I don't know what it is, but the pumpkin coffee is that way. We get it every year, we make it. And you know what? It makes me happy. It brings me back to so many things. It gets me in the mood for fall. And you can drink it all the way up until Thanksgiving if you want interchanging it with other good coffee like we love dark roast here so we do interchange it of course but it's awesome i love it and those are the five things that i really think about in the fall i could name a whole bunch of other stuff there's so many other things that we actually do eat or consume here once the fall starts but these are the five that kind of come to mind uh, as we get closer to thanksgiving as we get closer to christmas i'll definitely start talking about those holiday specific foods i'll maybe even get controversial and rank them this time and you'll be pissed if something is on top or left out of my top five that maybe is big for you come the holiday season. But that's the thing, is it's all subjective to you and I think that's important. Uh, I'd love to know what you do differently in the fall. What are some things that you consume on the food front that are comfort for you, that you associate with crisper temperatures, a little bit colder temperatures? Reach out to the show. On Instagram, of course, Soulfully Casual Podcast. Love to hear from you. We just reached a thousand followers and that's amazing. So thanks to everybody who is following and consuming the show. 
on Twitter, you can find us. Maddie Ice Media is the handle. And of course, Maddie Ice Media 21 on Instagram is where you can find all of our content. MattySmedia.com. Visit our podcast library for shows like this and also Drippin' Sports and The Manual with Cleve Wason. We're producing a lot of stuff. We're continuing to roll the train on. Uh, Maddie Ice Media is very close to turning a year old. It's been a wonderful experience and I can't wait to do more. So I hope everybody is well on this Thursday. I hope you have a great weekend. Hope you enjoy whatever it is that you are doing, whether it's cliched apple picking, hanging out with friends, or honestly just doing nothing because sometimes doing nothing is the best thing. So take care. Don't forget to hug your loved ones, and I will talk to you down the road. Peace, everybody. The viewpoints and opinions expressed on the Soulfully Casual podcast are those of Batty Ice and not necessarily those of Matty Ice Media. The Soulfully Casual podcast hosted by Matty Ice is exclusively owned by Matty Ice and is brought to you by the Matty Ice Media Network.